Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. And this week, Ari, very special guest, Grace Rayner, who covers Clemson for us at The Athletic. And when Grace and I were talking about show prep earlier in the week, she said she was going to do one thing for you. She was going to have a filet of fish sandwich in your honor right before the show. Did you do your homework, Grace? <laughs> okay. I did not do my homework, but I'm, I'm going to... Ari's like, I'm out. Um, I do support the filet of fish, though, and I will get one this week for you. Have you had one? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, do you like it? I've never had one, Ari. You've never had one? He's a gluten person. I don't want to go down this road again. He's one of those people that can't have. I can't have gluten. I have celiac disease. So, like, I... But like that was only in the last fifteen years. I never had one before that wow. either. So I've, had- I've never told Ari this. I thought he might break up with me if we. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. about to say I mean, like should, we should have saved this for the end of the podcast if you two are like going to be okay. It's yeah. next thing I know, this enough, guy's going to say that Wendy's is better than In and Out, and I'm just going to just I'm actually going. I have I've never been to In and Out, and I haven't been to Wendy's. Actually, In and Out, you can years. get it wrapped in lettuce, so you can have it like uh, celiac style. Okay. okay. Well, there's none here in Nashville, so that's good to My know. My fiance yeah. is, a, is a gluten person and also doesn't eat beef, so we're pretty much down to carrots every night for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good luck with that. Good luck with that. All right, Grace. Um, we do want to talk about actual football and recruiting, not just... Can I say something food, before we go into the podcast? I guess so. <laughs> you don't even like... You like do the intro and then you don't give me a, a second to say anything. One, the pronoun... Usually you speak for like the first five minutes. The pronunciation is Clemson with a P. And second of all, I just wanted to say Grace is one of the fastest rising sports writers in America. And I think you were recognized with an award this year. Oh, Ari, stop. And I just, I think that it was like super awesome that you've killed Clemson coverage. And here on Stars Matter, we've only had one team centric show. I think we did USC once with Antonio Antonio. Morales. And I think now we're going to get into the nitty gritty with Clemson. And I'm going to like hammer off all the things that people get mad about. And I want you to tell me if you think I'm right or wrong as we go through the podcast. Okay. So like I, I get like super passionate and borderline aggressive. So I'm going to apologize right now. But you have to be able to tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Okay. Like, okay. Push back at me. I heard that you're going to try to make me cry. So let's uh, we'll see. I, I didn't know that it was going to no, make you No, he didn't you say cry. cry. He said I will make her and cry. Because I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think that uh, you can handle it. It's that you might have to deal with the... Clemson Mafia on Twitter afterward if you promote this podcast. Ah, uh, okay. Well, because like I am a spoiler alert a little bit down on them right now. I I don't know I don't know what it's going to look like in five years. So we're, we'll get to that, Mitch. But go into your uh, into your hostly preamble and then we'll get going on this. <laughs> no, I'm I'm done. But Grace, I just wanted to say I'm super proud of you for that award. Awesome, you do great work, and it's all seen from afar and up close. Thank you, Ari. I'm proud of you too. Thanks. I've never she's, won a uh, She's ever. going to Indy tomorrow to to to, to uh, she's uh, accepting her award. Her and her mom are going to Indy tomorrow to, to get the award. It's a big day. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Before we get to Clemson specific coverage, you were in Orlando for the um, Under Armour All America game. You were down there covering Clemson, but you and uh, Audrey Snyder, our Penn State writer, doubled up and and, and went to the All American game. Just some general thoughts from being down there, what the mood was like because of COVID, how much was interaction was there? I know you talked to some people and just, just the overall vibe down there. Yeah. So this was my first time going to one of these games, so I didn't really know what to expect. Um, our big media day was supposed to be on a Tuesday and all of that got canceled, and I, I presume, presumably because of COVID. So we just kind of talked to these kids after practice and then after the game, but I really enjoyed it. It was cool to see all these kids in one spot and just kind of put some faces to some names and we saw some commitments and um, overall I thought it was a really cool event. 
Now, anybody, I mean, I mean, could you, in the game, like, you can't really, it's like, a, it's like the Pro Bowl probably, right? I mean, like, anybody stand out to, that you took note of or just kind of what you expected to see? I thought the Missouri five-star wide receiver was really impressive. Um, Luther Burden, I think. It's, yeah, it's, didn't he score, like, first play of the game? Yeah, like, yeah. took it 75 yards. Um, I thought he was really impressive. And then... I looked up and a Clemson commit actually had a, a pretty crazy interception in Jaden Lucas. I thought he was very impressive. And then there was just there was one drive early in the second quarter where the entire drive was Texas A&M commits. <laughs> um, the only play that a Texas A&M commit was not involved in was the fumble recovery. But another Texas A&M guy forced the fumble and then offensively it was all A&M kids. So that was pretty wild. It was the whole game A&M kids? Pretty much. <laughs> she took a. Uh, you saw on your, on your mailbag yesterday. Um, yeah, I saw. I was looking for a photo, and I was like, "How many times can I run a photo of Jimbo Fisher just sitting there and like with the headline Texas A&M killing it and recruiting?" It's like, wait, Grace took a picture of all the A&M commits down there, so uh, um, that worked out well there. So I did have some specific questions, and we can get into like this stories you're working on. But Ari, just have at it, Ari. Just just take the floor, make Grace cry. I'm not. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Grace. Um, first of all, let me just ask you this. I kind of have mixed feelings about Clemson's 2022 class. And of course, the number one thing that a class can have is a quarterback and Clemson might have the best one in the country. But right now, sitting at number 24, you know, that's deceptive because they only have, I believe, 12 kids signed in this class. And I think that their average player rating, 992.922, is top five in America. So the quality of the player is good. But are, are, are you concerned, are Clemson fans concerned about, A, the transfers that you know happened afterward losing a defensive coordinator losing four commits I think it was shortly after Venables took the Oklahoma job and just generally the size of this class or are things just like fine I think it's somewhere in the middle I wouldn't say that Clemson fans are feeling just super Gucci especially coming off <laughs> of the classes that they've put together in the last two years I mean and you're looking at 2020 was I think their greatest class ever in 2021. I think they finished five. If I'm right off the top of my head, I can double check that. But anyway, they're used to putting together some top classes. Um, I think that the big part of it is just usually by now, after the early signing period, Clemson's usually wrapped up. And now they head into February really needing to fill this class out. They need a running back. They need a defensive lineman. They need another safety. They need another corner. I mean, like you said, Ari, they lost four guys all on the defensive side after Venables left. And so I think there's a little uneasiness among fans just filling it out, but I don't think it's total panic mode yet because you look at Dabo Sweeney and, you know, he's kind of earned the benefit of the doubt with this crowd given that he's won it twice um, in the playoff era. So I think it's kind of in the middle. Those two classes that you referenced, uh, 2020 and 2021, Clemson combined to have 17 top 100 players and they signed the number one player in the country. And I still am not 100% sure how to say his name. Brian uh, even Brzee. Though yeah, even though I've written about him and talked to him on the phone like 20 <laughs> times. Brian Brzee, is that how Brzee. you say it? Mm-hmm. Brzee. And, you know, they were they were recruiting at a level that Clemson never had before, as you mentioned. And it was kind of weird to see because Clemson, um, for the most part, had won national championships without recruiting the way that Alabama does. And it seemed like that was a change for them. And I'm wondering... Does Clemson have to continue to recruit the way that they did in 2021 and 2020 in order for them to to be a national championship contender every year? Or do you think that 
Dabo Sweeney can do what he did before, which was kind of evaluate better than everybody, sign some of these Isaiah Simmons type prospects and, you know, put together a team that can beat Alabama despite not having the sexiest of recruiting results. I think if the transfer portal did not exist, I would say yes. I think that if they, if we lived in a, in a world where using the portal was not a way that teams were building their rosters, I think Dabo could continue to kind of do the mix of finding a Hunter Renfro, finding an Isaiah, combining them with these big flashy five stars. I still think that's the best method for Clemson, but I don't think, I think Clemson, I don't think, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think they're going to catch people by surprise anymore. Like, like they did when they developed Isaiah or Hunter and they were, they were just kind of building and kind of coming like they've arrived. And so I think if they're going to hang in there in the playoff conversation, like they want to be, they're going to have to go after some of these big splashy five stars and then use the developmental side, in my opinion, as kind of like the cherry on top. Uh, story you're working on, I think, with, with Brendan Marks, who covers North Carolina basketball and football for us, is, is a fascinating topic. When I first started working with Ari about a year and a half ago, he I, one of his first stories, he mentioned this, and I started paying attention to it. It's like Mac Brown in North Carolina putting a dent in what Clemson was doing. Because Clemson was, had, had won two national titles. They were going into North Carolina and getting the guys they wanted, and not not anymore. So talk you're working on it. So talk about the dynamics of – those two programs recruiting against each other. And then now we have Mario Cristobal, Cristobal at Miami. I said it right. Was it Ari, I, I Mario Cristobal? <laughs> Cristobal. I have a block, Grace, where I don't, I need him to retire so I don't have to mention his name anymore. I usually just, the, the Oregon head coach, the football coach at Miami, it could be making life difficult for Clemson as well. And so that kind of goes into Ari's question too about it's Clemson's got a lot more competition now for those Eastern seaboard players than they did maybe three or four years ago. Definitely. I remember talking to former Clemson defensive line coach, Dan Brooks. This was probably in maybe 2019, 2020, it was a couple of years ago. And he was saying that kind of the little known secret about recruiting defensive linemen is that in the Carolinas, they're as good as anywhere in the country. And Clemson had no issues historically going up and grabbing some of those kids. You look at Dexter Lawrence, who was in Clemson's program as recently as four years ago. That's that's a kid right out of out of North Carolina's base. And so I think Clemson has just had such a stronghold on that area. And then you look when Mac Brown comes in, he says, we're going to keep these kids at home and we're going to keep the top talent at home. And now all of a sudden you look up this summer and Travis Shaw is picking in North Carolina. And then you're, you're kind of in these battles for Clemson, North Carolina between Shaw and um, Andre Green and Jaden Lucas. And they're just going head to head a lot more than, than they did when Larry Fedora was in town. What about Miami? How how do you see Miami impacting? Yeah, I think Miami is a really interesting dynamic because Clemson has historically recruited Florida, specifically South Florida, really, really well over the years, especially when Jeff Scott was at Clemson. You look at some of their big-time wide receivers, Sammy Watkins, Deion Kane, they they come from that area. Dabo's most important recruit ever, C.J. Spiller, is a Florida guy. Um, You look on the current roster, you've got Tyler Davis, Marcus Tate, Will Putnam, Troy Salato, um, who else? There's a, I mean, there's like there's they're double digit Florida guys that are four stars. Fred Davis. Um, so I think that's that's going to be interesting too, as you see, you know, Cristobal kind of build, and these in-state kids are maybe going to say, okay, we have an option now in-state that intrigues us, 
And what does that mean for for Clemson going in there and stealing some of these guys? How important are I'll let you go? Should I just go? Yeah, maybe come back about twenty minutes. (laughs) (laughs) How important is it? um, You know, a lot, a lot of staff. Obviously, you know, we know Venables and and, uh, Robbie Caldwell, you know, retiring or moving to a different position. For for a staff that's known as such a uh, how they develop guys so much, how how much is recruiting going to play into? And I know they're promoting from within, so I guess they haven't really gone out and got that superstar recruiter that some guy. So is that a concern for Clemson fans that they they haven't gone out and got that superstar recruiter uh, on the staff? I don't think they're as concerned about that part because I think for two reasons. Number one, I think even though we haven't seen him sign his first big splash kid yet, I think Spiller could could turn into that person. Um, you just look at, you know, I don't think anyone can sell Clemson better than CJ Spiller, a kid who came from a different state, almost left, stayed anyway, now is back coaching. So I think Spiller can turn into that. Losing Todd Bates is a big one. I don't think anyone can deny that one, especially as Clemson was going into Alabama and and kind of taking some of those kids under Bates's direction because he's an Alabama guy. So I think that there is a little... Um, I don't know what the right word is. I just think there's some intrigue around Clemson. I think that you've got good Apprehen- apprehension, sure. maybe. Yeah, definitely. That's a great word for it. Um, like I think you want to give some of these guys the benefit of the doubt. And Thomas Austin coming in to replace Robbie Caldwell, he's another guy. I mean, this staff is just loaded with with former Clemson players who could sell Dabo and who can sell Clemson. Uh, but I think the the fans also want to see them do it and see. Okay, what does that look like? Ari, do you have a question for our guest? <laughs> I just like I like, I let's let's get into a discussion. Let, like, I want to I want to talk. <laughs> it's a podcast. Let's do it. Um, Grace said something earlier in the in the show that, and I love you, Grace, but I disagree with. <laughs> All right, hit me. I don't think that the best. How come when you disagree with me, you don't say like I love? I actually like her. I actually like her, and we go way back. Um, but you did say that you think the best route for Clemson is to do the the uh blend of Isaiah Simmons type prospects and and blend them together with five star prospects. And that's true. Like if you think that Isaiah Simmons could happen again, like he's probably one of the best three star prospects in the history of the planet. Um JJ Watt was a two star by the way. Um and I think that Clemson has to recruit like Alabama to be what they were the last three or four years. Like if they don't recruit that way, they might still be able to get through the the ACC, but they're going to be met with some really stacked rosters with the way that the recruiting trends have gone right now. Because back in 2000, they won 2016 and 18, right? They had Deshaun Watson and, and Trevor Lawrence, distinct quarterback advantages, and they were able to overcome some of those things based on just elite level quarterback play. But now, with 60 of the top 100 players going to five schools, the teams that they're going to be facing are more stacked than ever before. And, you know, I'm not saying that you're wrong because Clemson teams that won the national championship game certainly would, would hold up well uh, in the current fields. But I'm wondering, as the game transitions, if you think that Dabo has to change. Like his like, recruiting I, I, philosophy specifically? Like I, I, everything. Like the rules that he has in place, the, the apprehension to accept transfers in, um, the time spent on trying to find the under-recruited, under valued three-star prospect because that takes a lot of time and effort and just reorganizing his board to just go after the top 100 players the same way Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama do. And I said Clemson, but like they had been from 20 to 21. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I will say, I only think that grabbing some of these developmental players works if you have a superstar quarterback. Like, under no circumstance, I think, can Clemson continue to compete at the level that it wants to without a superstar quarterback. I think they have that in Klubnik. I think he can push DJ. I'm curious to see if he actually wins his starting role. And then I also Are you think, down on DJ? Um, I think that this will be... At some point, I think this will be an open competition. I think it has to be. I mean, he... He had 10 interceptions and nine touchdowns. I mean, I think that at some point, if Klubnik can come in and push him, you have to, you, in my opinion, if you're Clemson, you have to consider that. Um, but yeah, I think Dabo, and I've written about this before, like, I definitely think that he has to change some of his philosophies. The transfer portal being number one, um, you know, he was joking a couple of weeks ago about how when Clemson goes to the portal, it'll be the the biggest day in Clemson history. Like he he knows what the perception is with him in the portal, but yeah, I mean, I think college football has changed so much in the last two years, and Dabo has had a formula that has worked up until this point. Um, but yeah, I think I definitely think he has to evolve. But I I still think that there's a place at Clemson for like Hunter Renfro, for example. They didn't use a scholarship on him originally. He was a walk on. Um, he was a local kid. I do wonder the developmental side with like an Isaiah Simmons. You mentioned that. Like, I do think Venables leaving changes that a lot. I don't know what that looks like in turn, like with Venables not here, probably the greatest defensive coordinator in college football. But I still think that there's, I still think there's room for both, but they do have, I don't disagree with you. They got to go after these five stars. Do you like Formula One, but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search the Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Well, it boils down to the quarterback position. So you've seen Clemson every day, and mm-hmm. I saw him on TV, you know, maybe six or seven times. If you had third-year Deshaun Watson, third-year Trevor Lawrence, with this team, are they a playoff team? Probably. I think so. I mean, Trevor had a pretty similar offensive line. Granted, he had Travis Etienne, and he had receivers who didn't drop the ball at the rate that <laughs> these receivers dropped it for DJ, but... I think they're they're not written off like like they were as early as this season. I'll say that. I don't know that they're winning at all, but I think they're in the top six. Yes. So basically, well, it's they like also the, lost the, form, the formula player. works when they yeah the formula works when you got a, one of the you know best quarterbacks of the last decade. But that's very dangerous to count on that all the time. Yeah, and Brian so, Brzee is going to maybe be the number one overall pick in the draft whenever he goes, and he was out. You just wanted to say his name, <laughs> Mario. Brzee, Cristobal. Um, <laughs> you have to say it like in the car, like a character from Futurama or something. I mean, just you're a human. Speak. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, the thing about Clemson to me, and I wrote this a year and a half ago before all this stuff happened with, with Venables leaving and stuff, and that is obviously going to take its toll, but the dabble rules I thought were outdated. Um, I thought that eventually we would get to a point where transfers were going to be as relied upon as they are now and I know that he I've, I think I read that he's starting to consider that a little bit more but I don't think you can even 
consider running a college football program that wants to win a national championship without exploring that as an avenue now, right? I think you have to explore the portal, yes. And Cle- actually, as of, I don't know when this podcast comes out, but as of last night, Clemson offered an offensive lineman in the portal, and it was like a, a very big deal that they are they are coming around to it. But yeah, I think he's he's... He doesn't. He's going to be reluctant to it, and it's and it's been a situation where he said, you know, if, if they have to, he'd rather build it with with high school kids. But I think he realizes that yes, there are situations where he's going to have to. But what's his what is his deal with it? Like, why does he not like it? Does he like view the players who are in the portal as culture? Quitters? Is it a culture thing? Like, doesn't want to bring guys into his culture that haven't come up through the system. I think part of it's culture, and I think part of it is you know you'd look at. I think that he views the portal and the college football experience through his own experience, you know, and he was a walk on at Alabama and um, he's been very adamant about how walking on to Alabama and, and playing in Alabama changed his life. And he wants to see it more tied to education. And I just, I think that he has, I think his view of college football is from his own experience, which the portal didn't exist back then. Um, and I think he wants to see these kids stick it out. He, he, he seems to think that, these kids kind of having an easy way out. It's not good for them long-term. And he also thinks that there's too many kids in the portal with nowhere to go. So a lot of people are can, can debate back and forth what you think about his policies. Um, but it, yeah, that's just kind of where he stands on it. I have a portal theory that I haven't really thought about too much. I was on a radio show earlier. I want to just see, I know Ari will probably just tell me I'm wrong because he likes to disagree, but like You're about wrong a lot, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but uh, as my like teams like Alabama in the portal, like Alabama has proven, you know, they've gone and gotten Jameer Gibbs, running back from Georgia Tech, Eli Ricks. Like they can use the portal to grab the one or two. And I see Ohio State just got the kid from Oklahoma State. Teams like that can go out and s- fill in obvious gaps for whatever reason with an elite player. The question I was asked: Can like a team raise its profile to be a national title contender? through the portal. And I said, no, I think, I think the portal helps top 30 or top 40 teams move into the top 20, like a Michigan state and helps the very elite teams in the country fortify from spot, some certain spots. But I don't think you can sit there and be a, a program that's been like a, a Penn state, a fringe top 10 team and just say, we're going to use the portal to win a national championship. I think that's kind of a dangerous philosophy, but I think it's perfect for someone who's trying to kind of elevate their place on the food. I mean, the verbiage is, is not, you don't build through the portal, you enhance through the portal when you're doing it right, I think. So I agree with you on that. I, I think that teams that, you know, have glaring deficiencies at one or two position groups based on some recruiting misses or injuries or transfers can go into that portal and plug in and play, like the Ohio State example that you just mentioned. You know, Ohio State's secondary is kind of in a transition average. mode right now and yeah. average, and they've got a lot of freshmen coming in. But you go in and you take um, – you know, Tanner McAllister from Oklahoma State, who is one of the better players on the back end of their defense, who's following his old defensive coordinator to Ohio State, and they're plugging in a, an established player at a position of need. And that makes sense. So you have to be willing to do that. Um, the thing that I think is going to be interesting is that, you know, while we're talking about the Ohio State model, which is a team that Clemson has gone up against very frequently on the field and off, is that the Justin Fields of the world, it's going to be few and far between. Like, I know that that Caleb Williams just entered the portal, and I'm very curious to see how that's going to play out. But you're not going to find a program-changing quarterback very often in the in that position. So to me, I think Clemson's number one thing is, A, hoping that Cade Klubnik is really, really good. Because, you know, if he 
needs a two-year period to, to develop to get to where he needs to be or there, you know, have another year of DJ who might be an average quarterback that doesn't quite reach his ranking, then I think Clemson's in trouble. And, I, and I'm just wondering here, Grace, do you think that they're at a critical point? You know, two years ago, uh, they got blown out by Ohio State in the semifinal, which was a tough way to, to go out. This year, obviously, didn't go the way they hoped, and they had some injuries and some some. It was kind of a weird season for them. They weren't terrible, but they just weren't up to Clemson standard. Like, like now they lost Brent Venables, some key players off their defense. Their class only has twelve players in it, and there's what four or five different ACC teams right now who I think are recruiting very well and, and trying to build something. You know, I was much higher in Florida State a month ago than I am now because <laughs> you know a few things happened that didn't didn't go their way. But North Carolina is killing it. North Carolina, you're working on this story, right? North Carolina is winning the Battle of Virginia. Um, it's harder for Clemson to go into North Carolina and take their prospects. And Clemson, though a recruiting national, a national recruiting entity, doesn't seem to have the same presence in in the South and in in Texas and California as they would have, or as their their competition. And their competition isn't North Carolina. Their competition is Ohio State, Alabama, and, and Georgia. So. You know, I just kind of think it's a very critical juncture for their program. And if they go out and they they lose three games again next year, that's three years in a row where they're either losing a a, a tough break in in the playoff or not making it at all. Yeah, I've said this before, and I I really do believe that whatever happens, I think Andy Sables and I were talking about this. I feel really strongly that whatever happens with Clemson football in the next three, four, five seasons, we're going to be able to look back on this offseason and explain it one way or the other. Like, if they start killing it and they start building, I think it will be because this offseason, Dabo, despite all the turnover, got his people in place. They went out and recruited well. They used the portal. They developed Klubnik. DJ got better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or I think if they start to slide, I th- I, I think that you'll look at this offseason as just, I, in my opinion, the most important of Dabo's career. I've got one more for you, Grace, and Ari, feel free to chime in afterwards. South Carolina. <laughs> Had a good year in the field, six and six. Everyone loves Shane Beamer. He got mayonnaise dumped on him, as it's been well chronicled. <laughs> you know, there. If Clem, you can argue in a way that like Clemson being awesome is almost better for South Carolina in South Carolina's SEC pursuits because Clemson's recruiting nationally and they're not recruiting locally, and uh, South Carolina can kind of clean up with the non top hundred kids in the state. Now, that might be kind of convoluted there. But this year, see, in, in South Carolina, the top kid, Jalen Sneed's going to Notre Dame. But then Clemson got players two through five, all top 125 guys. From a, in, I'm going to work. I'm going to write that. See, I have some good ideas. Wait, that, that's while, just Grace. the Kentucky. Grace, whenever Ari has a good story, you know where the idea came from. He has it. a lot of really good, really good stories, um, um, ideas, and I execute them beautifully. Of uh, course, obviously. <laughs> but that's just like the Kentucky and Ohio type of scenario, act. right? Like yeah, so so I guess my question is: Do I'm not asking you to speak for South for Clemson fans, but you 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 live among them. I think are, you should speak concern? for them, Grace. It's okay. <laughs> okay. You know I'll more about Clemson intense. football than they do. You can, well, no, yeah. I mean I she can't. Obviously, there's there's fans from all over the spectrum. There's sure. rational and there's crazy. So be kind of a moderate. Put the hat on of a moderate South Carolina. I'm mean, a Clemson fan. Okay. Is. Uh, is that person concerned about what Shane Beamer's got going on there, or is that just oh, it's South Carolina, whatever? I think you. I think if you're a Clemson fan and you look at what South Carolina did, you're probably. I don't know if surprised is the right word, but I think we can all agree South Carolina exceeded expectations. 
Um, I think right now on January 5th, 2022, you're probably still feeling pretty good given what you just said, Mitch, about the fact that Clemson, who doesn't recruit the state of South Carolina that much anymore, found a year where there were a lot of in-state kids that they wanted and then went and swiped the top, what'd you say, two, three, four, and five? Two through five, and they're all what I'm guessing, Ari, that's probably a pretty good year for the state of South Carolina, five top 125 kids. Yeah, it's probably a a much better year, but it's like it's an interesting dynamic because when South Carolina was actually good – uh, they, were, they they had like four or five five star prospects on their roster from South Carolina, so it all kind of happened at the same time. And one of them was Jadavion Clowney, and it's just like if Clemson was Clemson, then Clowney would have gone to Clemson. And Marcus Latimer, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I'm looking at it now. You get Lucas number two, Adam Randall number three, Antonio Williams number four, who is from right outside of Columbia. That, and I, I from working with Josh Kendall, I know, yeah. That, that's a guy they really, really 100%. wanted. They offered him early. Yeah. They re-offered him when Beamer came. Clemson really drug their feet on offering him. It took a long time. They still got him. And then so That's a perfect example of yeah. we're still Clemson. For sure. We're still Clemson, and we're going to get this guy. Yeah. That's why I think that you're probably not panicked about it right now because the name brand is still, is still what it is, and, and Clemson has still beat them seven times in a row. Yeah. Um, I also think there's a, there's a portion of Clemson fans, though, who are kind of excited about what Beamer's building to make this rivalry more competitive and make it more compelling and interesting. Because right now it's just been so lopsided when Muschamp was there that there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of intrigue to it. So um, what was the word we used earlier? Apprehensive, cautiously optimistic? Appreh- yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think they still feel pretty good in, in 2022 knowing that they still, for now, they still do run this state. I'm looking at Clemson's 2020 class, which is the best class they've had in recruiting history, or in their recruiting history. 23 enrollees, six from Georgia, three from Florida, two from Bama, two from North Carolina. That's all before they get to two from South Carolina. Yep. And it's just like that, to me, is Clemson at its peak. And I think they signed kids from 11 different states in that class. I just counted Mm -hmm. it. Sorry for the pause. It's like, to me, that is what recruiting is supposed to be for a team that wants to win a national championship. And I get that Dabo views things differently. He might be apprehensive to to go into the portal. He has the no-visit policy for players that don't have five stars in their profile. You know, there are different things that he does. But, like, I want to know if Clemson's ever going to be that again. Because that if the answer to that question is no, then I don't think they're ever going to be the Clemson that they were from 2015 to 2020 ever again. I think that's what Clemson fans want to know too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, which is hard to do. I mean, is that what they're trying to do? In th- three years, they're trying to be good. Already. No, are they trying to? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm they trying like to, to win games. Cle- Listen, we all know, and like you know, Dabo way better than I do. But I think we all know that he marches to the beat of his own drum. He views things the way that he views them. He's very opinionated about it. The way that you know he views Sounds those like things. I know. Yeah, he's a millionaire, so I mean, it's working for him. But he doesn't want to do it the way that everybody else is doing it, probably. So I'm I'm very curious to – and it's like this might sound stupid because it's like, oh, you mean he just doesn't want to recruit the best players? Of course he does. But he wants to do it in his own way. I think the Clemson rules or the Dabo rules is like part of his identity. And I'm wondering if he's going to try to build his program without trying just to be another cog in the Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State – not Clemson. I just <laughs> It's programmed in my brain to include them because they're that good. Yeah. But – if he's going to continue down that path, 
I think is a very interesting thing, because if you look at the 2022 class right now, five of the 12 commitments are from South Carolina. And I guess that's, uh, like Mitch said, a very heavy year for that state. But you don't want to see most of your Clemson kids in their in their recruiting class from South Carolina. You want to see them from Alabama, Florida, Georgia and all the other places that they're recruiting. Right. But didn't you make the point you made the point earlier that are in we could look it up that their average player ratings like fourth or fifth or third or fourth. So they're still getting the great players. They're just it's kind of a weird year because the decommitments and stuff. So I'm not trying to contradict what you're saying. Like they're still going after those great players. They just happen to have a year where four of them were in their backyard. So I, I don't really see a big shift. Like he he signed two top five classes or a number three class. So I think that's the goal. Yeah, Always yeah, the goal. yeah. No, and I think that part of it too is, and you got to remember when they took Cade Klubnick's commitment, he was out of the two hundreds. Like I mean, he shot up the rankings, and I'm not saying that's good or bad, but for a yeah, while there, like he's Ty like Samson? anchoring their entire. He's in, he's anchoring their entire class because when you have a five star quarterback in that, it's weighted in a certain way that the average player rating goes higher because there's less players in your class. So, like, I mean, if you look at the bottom of their class, and they've got a punter and a kicker in it that, that are also a punter, kicker, and a tight end that's unranked in their class. Uh, and I think that that's kind of like balancing the scales a little bit. But I, I'm wondering, if Clemson wins another national championship, is it because they're going to sign three or four classes with the most players are from South Carolina, or is it going to look like the 2020 class? I'd bet my life it's the 2020 class. Well, okay, let's look at, so their last title was 18. So what class should we look at for that? The uh, Well, in 18, who did who did Deshaun Watson beat in the national championship game at the quarterback? Was it, was it Jalen Hurts? Oh, no. Uh, I, think I think it so. was Jalen Hurts. I think it was. Okay. In and that 16, was the Jalen Hurts. Fr- that, fresh, yeah. Freshman year, freshman year yeah. Jalen Hurts? Alabama yeah. was playing with, uh, and, and granted, I know that Jalen Hurts is a NFL starting quarterback right now and turned out to be a very good player. But the difference between prime Deshaun Watson in college and freshman Jalen Hurts in 2016 is massive. And I know that when they won the national championship with Trevor Lawrence, didn't they go up against Tua? Is that right? Clemson does not have the stark advantage at the quarterback position that it had in those years. And I'm not just saying in the final game. I mean, in every single game. Um, now that these were these other programs, even like Drake May is at North Carolina now, and other teams in the ACC are recruiting top-level quarterbacks, and I'm wondering if Clemson can continue to, like if you say, let's go back and look at the 2016. Mitch, you know the stat, right? Want me to say the stat again? Say it. Three teams in the history of the recruiting rankings have won national championships without having signed a top-five class in any of the previous three years. Or four years. And their quarterbacks are? And the quarterbacks Cam are Newton. Cam Newton. Cam Newton, Deshaun Watson, and Trevor Lawrence. Right. Clemson did it twice, and I think that's so amazing. That, I think- to me, is proof, though, that, like, I mean, obviously, I know college football is changing, but that, to me, is proof that their model can't work. Because they- that's, that's why I asked about no, I think if it, Trevor I think Lawrence it, was a quarterback this year. Yeah. Like, No, it so certainly just- worked. I'm wondering if it's going to work again in the future now that because th- if you go look at the 2000, I would be very curious. I don't know this off the top of my head, but I'd be very curious if you went and you look at the 2015 or 14 or 16 classes. If you added up all the top 100 players, how many went to the five schools? I bet you it's less than 50. And like this year, it's going to be like 63. So like, yes, Clemson's still going to win the ACC and they're probably still going to beat North Carolina. Sorry, Grace. I know you went there. I <laughs> don't know if Clemson's roster, if they continue to recruit in the 
in the 7 to 20 range, which is where they have traditionally recruited outside of those two years that he did in 2020 and 2021, if they'll ever be able to win a national championship again. Because guess what, dude? Every single one of these teams now have a five-star quarterback that's rocking shit that they didn't have before. Like, if you go look at Georgia, like Georgia just signed back-to-back five-star prospects. This year, yeah, no, this is a, they're probably going to lose, by the way. <laughs> I know they're favorites, but, like, they're probably going to lose because of it. Now, if you go look at Georgia, they've got back-to-back uh, classes with five-star quarterbacks in right. it, and Caleb Williams is probably going to end up there, right? Like, this, I, I'm telling if you go look at the last five years of national championship winning teams, nobody has a shitty quarterback. This is what happens, Grace. He gets worked up and he just starts but, okay, going on. But, and I just, but Clemson's but, not going to have a shitty quarterback either. Because no, I know, but they're not going to they're not right. going to be ten times better than their opponent, like they've been every other game in those entire season, those two national championship seasons. Jalen Hurts won. I know he wasn't great. He won SEC Offensive Player of the Year that year. He wasn't. He wasn't a bad quarterback. Sure, Deshaun. Yeah, he Watson was the was worst of version of the dude that got benched a year later. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he might have had a better freshman year than a sophomore year. He won, you know, he was great as a freshman. So, I, I, it's also not just the I, one game; it's every game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Not to oversimplify it, but I think as long as Clemson continues to get their five star every other year, which they did this year with Klubnik, and I, they're hoping to be in the hunt with Arch Manning, I think they'll at least have a seat at the table. If they get Arch Manning, then yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, listen, and when I wrote the column that I wrote or it was a mailbag. I can't remember. Like Clemson fans got mad. There's some dude from Tiger Illustrated that still tweets at me. And I'm like, bro, you need to like get an outlet in your life, you know, get a PS five or something. <laughs> this is why he's, it's important. He's personally important offended. Stuff, and I hope he listens to this. And I tell you, I think you're insane. I wonder if, um, people misunderstand me when I say, if Clemson takes a step back, that doesn't mean that I don't think Clemson's going to be good anymore. Of course they're going to be good. Of course they're going to win the ACC. But the level of talent that is required to win at the highest level now is different than it was in in 2016. And it's different than it was in 2018. I think we can all agree on that. And if Clemson recruits more like it did in the 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19 years, they will get left behind. They will. So, like, it's not just can they they have a nice little mixture of uh, a few – five-star prospects and they can go find a Hunter Renfro in there. And, and, and like, those are all great teams and great players, but I think finding Hunter Renfro and finding Isaiah Simmons are harder than, than people give it credit for, which is why I've repeatedly written and said on this podcast that I think that Dabo Sweeney has had the best talent evaluating uh, staff in college football. I just don't know if it's enough to beat the Georgia and Alabama's and the Ohio States of the world as they're currently constructed, because those teams are much deeper and better than they've ever been before. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we'll find out. But I, I also think that I think it's hard to, and I don't know the answer to this question. But if Clemson starts to slip, I'm going to be curious. Okay, how much of this is recruiting? But then I'm, I'm going to be equally as curious as how much this is. How much is this Venables being gone? Like I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you. I don't know if I'm articulating this right. But like to me, if Clemson falls, it's going to be equally because of losing the greatest defensive coordinator in college football as it will possibly be recruiting, who also recruited very well, by the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I also think that Dabo Sweeney is like one of the five most recognizable faces in the sport. Sure. And part of being a coach or a figure in the sport that's in the same sentence as as Nick Saban. 
yeah. as he was two years ago. I mean, honestly, Clemson would Clemson took Alabama's spot atop the national champion or like the national uh, poll position best program, I, I believe, two years ago when they beat him in the national championship. Like Clemson climbed the mountain that nobody else has been able to climb. And I think it's great. But if Dabo Sweeney is in that sentence, then the number one thing about being a head coach and being a CEO at the college level is being able to make critical staff hires because good coordinators don't stay. That's not typical. Yeah. Like what Brett Venables was there for what, a decade? Longer? Ten seasons, yeah. Anybody who is as good as Brent Venables anywhere else is not staying at their place for 10 years. So if Clemson falls because they couldn't replace their coordinator, then that is a bad indication of what that means for what Dabo Sweeney is. You know, I, I think that Clemson, being Clemson's defensive coordinator might be one of the three best coordinator jobs in college football, which means that every single coordinator in the sport would like crawl to take that job. I'm not saying that Brent Venables isn't great. But Dabo Sweeney should be able to replace him with somebody well, really, really good. And we'll like Grace go in just a second. One thing I'm interested to see is if these coaching changes don't work out, does Dabo have it in him to make a move like Ryan Day did at Ohio State this year? He clearly wasn't working with, with Coombs, a defensive coordinator, and made a move and went out His and hired Kerry Combs. Kerry Combs. Is that a, I, see, I, that one's tricky. Yeah, that's that's one where because I edit Landis, I've I've edited like four hundred thousand times, but I just I mean I've heard his name, and he actually coached for the Titans here, so I should know. Um, but he was willing to make a difficult decision and make a change. Dabo seems to me the type of guy that would be a lot more reluctant to make a move like that. Is that fair, Grace? I think that he. So I'm trying to think of the of the he hasn't made many. Um, he he let go of Billy Napier, and. Kevin Steele. Where'd that, where'd that guy end up? Right. And <laughs> Kevin Steele after West Virginia hung 70 on Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's been it. I think that he, um, look, I mean, and he's the first to admit that when it makes sense to him to hire internally, he wants to. I think we all know that Dabo wants to be loyal to his guys and has a vision in place of these are the people that I want to build with. I don't know though. I don't think though that he would be if it came down to like winning or losing in his program on the brink because of some of these hires, I I think that he wouldn't like it, but I think he would do it. I mean, I, I when he hired Wes Goodwin and a lot of people were shouting from the rooftops about this is a crazy hire, one of the things he had said in his press conference was, no one has more at stake than I do. So take that for what you will. So I think he would make the hard decisions. I don't think he would like it. I don't know that anyone likes it. Right. Um, but the coaching... I think he could... The, but the, the, the position where you have a crappy coordinator hire is a really tough position to be in. And like, oh, oh like when I covered Ohio State, you covered Ohio State. Ur- I didn't know that. Urban Meyer, what? like <laughs> teams sucked a few years because he made the wrong linebackers coach hire. Like, I mean, I don't think people realize how important. A, like, I always do this this pie chart, and I think I was wrong. And I said this on Andy Staples show a few weeks ago. But if you take a pie chart of coaching responsibilities and you make a, it's a circle. We know what a pie a looks like. <laughs> it's a circle. Is it a gluten-free pie? Can I eat it? I don't know, man. You can just eat the, the filling of it. <laughs> oh, let's make it gluten-free. Thank you, Grace. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, all you need is cement and you'll be good. Okay, Um. you just... Uh, <laughs> I, I always say that 85% is recruiting, right? I'd be willing to say 80% is recruiting, five, 5% is culture building, 5% is strength and conditioning, 
5% is X's and O's and how you coach your team. And I'm going to add a fifth 5% to <laughs> round it out. And 5% of it is coaching hires. I think it's more, I think coaching hires is more hire, important than that. But in the back to grace, I just told you what my pie chart was. I didn't say it had to be your pie chart. Okay. My pie chart's different. Uh, recruiting is 5%. <laughs> my pie chart's also different. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, honestly, I want to hear your pie chart. Um, 70, what was your recruiting? 80? I'd go 80. I go 70% recruiting. That's 30 left. I'd go 10% on the other three then. I think 10% like X's and O's. There were four though. Oh, 10% culture, 10% making the right hires. I mean, I'd have to think about it a little more. You've, you've obviously, yeah. this is part of your stick. This is like, I'm going to get this tap, this pie chart tatted on my back. Yeah. So I would do X's yeah. and O's more. And maybe it's because would? I just watched Brent Venables for five seasons, but I would up the X's and O's percent. How many times do you think that Luke Fickle could have spent in a room coming up with X's and O's for that playoff game? <laughs> I mean, I don't but, think there's anything that man could have driven. He could have had Albert Einstein in that room drawing up uh, graphs <laughs> on a chart of how he could run that. Do you think Albert Einstein was more of an offensive guy or a kick. defensive guy, Ari? Albert Einstein. Um. What would you say rel- relativity relativity has most impact? Special on? teams, <laughs> punting, yeah. literally. Yeah. yeah, he's a good special teams coordinator. No, but you know what yeah. I mean. Like, I, I think that X's and O's are great when you have equal talent. But if you don't have equal talent, it's not it's worth nothing. Well, oh yeah, I mean, I still think recruiting is the the lion's share of it. But I would put X's and O's at more than five percent. I guess is my point. Yeah, and I think the 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 landscape is littered with co- head coaches who have just been reluctant to make changes like you you grace you said you think you know obviously Dabo made the right points like no one has more at stake than I do but these guys are stubborn they're you know they make a hire they think it's going to work out and just sometimes with a coordinator they they wait a year too long and someone transfers or someone doesn't develop and credit it's such a it's such a delicate thing too Mitch and Grace because you're not just get hiring somebody to draw up your defense or to coach guys or properly motivate them you got to get a dynamic personality that knows how to recruit and it's like being a coach is really hard because it's two jobs. It's one, being a coach, and it's two, being a salesman. Yeah, I forgot. Who, and it's so hard to find people that are good at both. I forgot who it was this year, and this happens a lot, but specifically a, a head coach this year had to fire an assistant who I think he literally had been friends with for 35 years, like uh, since they either they knew each other in college or something like that. I mean, how brutal is that? And Dude, the, the linebacker coach that I just referenced that torpedoed Ohio State's 2018 yeah. season was the best man at Urban's wedding. Wow. Jeez. So, which is probably the reason why I hired him to begin with. So he kind of dug his own grave on that. <laughs> right, one, but right. So, are you guys seeing this on on the screen? But I have a bunch of feathers flying everywhere. It's like big birds in here. No, it's because I put the <laughs> I put the duvet cover. I forgot to take the duvet cover off of the duvet, and I put it all in the washing machine. And it's like, oh no, it's uh. So the whole comforter also went in. Yeah, it's, good, it's good a move. mess in here. I don't have a we yeah. don't have a, we don't we don't have a duvet or a duvet cover, so I have no. I bet you Grace has a duvet and a duvet cover. I have a cover, and you, I mean, you almost have to have a cover, otherwise it's feather centric, like you said. Um, yes, but I've. I want to say what it looks like in here, but I don't want to lose my job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. See Let's just say Big camera. Bird having a really good time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> on that note, maybe we should uh, <laughs> maybe we should thank Grace for coming on the podcast. So, Grace, Grace, you had, you, thank Grace, you. I'm, I'm sure so you had expectations of this. How far did this exceed your expectations? Oh, like way. I I don't know if I made any sense whatsoever, but 
far exceeded my expectations. We're good. You didn't cry, so that's a positive. I did not cry. You might hang up and cry, cry right now, but uh, <laughs> I can help you out with some no HR cares. people if you need to, uh, the way Ari treated Perfect. you. Yeah, if you need to. Do you have to leave, Mitch? No. I thought. And Grace? She doesn't have to leave. We can continue with the normal pod and keep Grace I just Grace thought you on. had one. Uh, don't you? I didn't know if Grace wanted to leave. I mean, but you, we, we have more potting for to you. do, Grace. You are more than welcome to stay on and contribute. Oh, we do? Or it can just mean uh, Ari I thought you were wrapping other. it up because then I thought you were going to ask the trivia question. No. I want Grace to be a part no. of it. Should, so should I, I like just a... continue? Grace, do you want to stick are around? Are those Ari's feet in the background? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 so, Grace, do you want to stick around or do you want to leave? Yeah, I'll stay. I'll okay. Yes. All right, Ari. I'm going to give you the floor for about a minute because I know if we don't cut you off, you'll you'll stay like t- 10 minutes in your mailbag. You laid off your mailbag. You felt very passionate about it. I read all the questions. Texas A&M football, best class modern recruiting history. 90% of the fans out there think they cheated. You address that question in your mailbag. Address it on the podcast. Go. Have I dropped an F-bomb on our, on our show yet? Um, I don't know. Is this the first one? Can I, can I, can I, can I be the I mean, you do one? like 10 pods a week. You know the, you know. I draw, I, if you're like sitting at home and you're looking at Texas A&M's recruiting class and you're thinking they cheat and like you're posting on the internet about how they're cheating with NIL and commenting on my stories, but you're a fucking loser. <laughs> like that's like, I'm sorry. Like there's no other way to put it. Uh, the whole world is changing. And like, if your favorite team signed seven five-star prospects would you be like oh my god they're cheating like just like can we let go of it like i hoped that nil um would have put an end to this uh, of this team is cheating and this team is cheating and, and and whatever and the fact of the matter is is that it's legal now and if texas a&m is doing something to help encourage i said encourage. that encourage encourage since you're the pronunciation <laughs> police <I think. laughs> encourage uh encourage people to come there because they're going to make more money then why is that a bad thing like i don't understand like is it a coping mechanism bitch like are you with me on this yeah like oh they just cheated oh my team sucks they they can't do it because they they don't make enough money or they don't offer enough money and texas a&m is clearly cheating it's like it's a it's not against the rules and i know technically speaking you can't broker the deals for the prospects i think that is cheating right yes if the coach brokers the deals, but a there's so much gray well, area in let that. Me, let me interrupt you. Even, I, how could you possibly enforce that? There is so much gray area, and I, I I don't know all the rules, but you can't entice a recruit to your school with an nil deal. Like you can't say if you sign with Texas A and M. Yeah, do you know how like how like unenforceable? Right, that is? exactly. I mean, so that's yeah. that's probably where a lot of this is coming from. But yeah, it's it's the yeah. psychology of a fan. It's just it's a defense mechanism. Whatever it, it is, bothers me. Because Clearly the reason it why it bothers me, Mitch, is that we spend an hour a week of our time on this podcast trying to get people to listen and get excited about recruiting. And like, if the extent of any analysis about recruiting that exists now is just, well, they paid him. She's like, okay, dude, then don't even consume coverage of the sport. Just go watch CNBC and talk about stocks. And this is how much somebody's worth and whatever. Do you and, realize that you just call about it? You probably called 50% of the listeners of this podcast and 80% of your readers a effing loser. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> no, it's just like, and like, honestly, I know that that, that could be offensive. Oh, no, like, really? Just, you think calling someone a fucking loser like, is offensive? No, I know. I know. But can we just like get a, take a deep breath and stop like pretending like it doesn't exist at your school? Okay. It's over a minute. It's like all Point these made. Texas fans 
all these Texas fans are saying that Texas A&M cheated and like the like there's a headline online right now that says Quinn Ewers like went to Texas with the prospect of making another million dollars in NIL. I didn't hear anybody anything from them then. It's like quipping a hypocrite, quit crying. And here's the here's the biggest thing, Mitch, and I want you to 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 back me up on this. But if Texas A&M did something in the NIL realm that is enticing people to come at a greater rate and the reason why that they're signing the class that they are. Do you not think that every other school in America is going to wisen up to like what they did? Wisen up? And like, a, what, what did I say? <laughs> wisen right up? Say you just made up a word. What would, what would be the correct wise way of saying up. that? You don't, yeah. Do you think that people are going to wise up and adjust yes. to their, their way of doing things? It's just like, if you it's sort of like Nick Saban wisening up it's like Nick Saban wisening up and running a spread offense it's like, it's like he didn't want to run a spread about- offense and then he saw that he couldn't stop and other teams were doing it so he started doing it so no I agree just stop just stop complaining about cheating there's very it's if there is cheating it's impossible to to police um and now that everything is above board anyway is it really cheating and, and honestly at the end of the day the people who are benefiting the most from it are the unpaid athletes who deserve it. So, like, I'm, like, going to applaud a Like, if they figure out a way to funnel money through and get more money to those kids and get this class, then they, they were the best at recruiting this year. And Texas fans or anybody else who's upset about it, who's listening to the show, I hope that your favorite team can figure out a way to do the same, and that means more kids will get paid and everybody will be happy. Okay. And, by the way, in five years when the market sets itself – It'll probably all be the same everywhere anyway. So just relax. Quit commenting. They cheated on the internet. You're a grown person. Just like stop. <laughs> that was much longer than a minute, but point well made. Well, you knew that I got fired up about I know. that. Like, what do you? Okay. All right. So let's move on. We got some other topics we want to hit. Um, five, three five stars have still yet to announce. Shamar Stewart, number nine. Where where was your prediction for him? Was it A and M, Ari, in your uh, yeah A and M because they're cheating? <laughs> oh, but what about number ten, Devin Campbell? You predicted him to Texas. Where, how are they going to get him? They're they're not cheating. They're just gonna they're just recruiting him really well, and he's gonna he's just doing it for the love of the program. Okay. And then the, the the most intriguing guy left available uh, left on the board is number twenty three, Josh Connerly from Seattle, who is he yeah. just issued a final six, but most believe, or at least what you wrote, and I think it's true. It's it's a Michigan USC battle with Washington probably falling out of the picture. Isn't that what you said? Michigan was it was it Michigan or, or, or USC? Do you think, Ari? Yeah, those are the two yeah, schools. That's what I thought. And whoever gets like them is crazy. cheating, and whoever isn't, yeah, wasn't cheating. So, yeah. uh, but that's that. That would be you know, it's a tough spot for um, Kalen DeBoer and the new staff there. But that would be four, five stars in Seattle or the Seattle area in a two year period and only one of them going to the University of Washington and that was Sam Heward, the the legacy there. So tough there. And then there's five other five uh, top one hundred players who have yet to commit. Jacoby Matthews, the safety from Louisiana, Ernest Green, offensive lineman, California, Kevin Coleman, wide receiver from St. Louis, Cyrus Moss, uh, edge rusher from California, and CJ Williams, former Notre Dame commit uh, from modern day uh, in Southern California. Um. All right, let's. I want to go a couple mailbag stuff. And, and Grace, please, please chime in. We we obviously want your opinion on this as well. I feel like Ari just sent Grace a some a message about me, and they're both laughing. <laughs> no, I said no. I sent our group chat a message about Ari just okay. calling all of his readers losers. <laughs> Did you say effing losers or losers? Nobody. No, no, no. Listen, 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 listen. 
they're not all of my readers. It might be 5% of them. And honestly, if they're complaining, they know it's true. And not that they're losers, but like they're being a loser when they make that comment. You sound so like Kirk like, Herbstreit walking back to comments that, that you wrote back <laughs> I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know. I mean, like, if, I don't know. Uh, okay, well, I'm glad you weren't talking about If somebody about has me. a problem, if people have a problem with no. it, they can, they can message me. Never it's talking I, about Only good things to say about you, Mitch. Oh, thank on you. pod and off the pod. Thank you very I much. I got news for you, Mitch. If, if we were not... <laughs> If we're taking the umbrella of what a loser is, I don't know that you're quite not under that. So it's just uh, <laughs> is that a double negative? Were you saying I'm a loser? You're saying I'm not a loser? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I need to wisen up and figure out what you're talking about here. Um, <laughs> is wisen up? I'm gonna Google it's it. I, I've been saying wisen up my whole Grace, life. It's not a word, is it? Wisen? I don't think it. No, is. I always thought it was wise. I've as become. Well. Working with Ari for so long, I forget what a word is and what wise what? up or wisen up. A lot of people say wisen up. Maybe that's like a phoenix. Error. Maybe I'm a loser. I don't know. This says wise up, stupid, which feels a little bit like an oxymoron. Yeah. Um, is it like? Yeah, I think I think it's wise. Is that, is that a phoenix thing, Ari? Like wisen up. So if I'm in Phoenix, I'm gonna walk around. You need to wisen up. <laughs> Third person singular simple present wisens present. I don't know. Okay. I could have just made a mistake and we could have wasted seven <laughs> minutes talking about it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. This might have slipped under the radar because you only pay attention to the programs that recruit, you know, 10 five stars a year. But Oregon, did you see Oregon hire Junior Adams from Washington? Was No, because they're not cheating okay. and I only like cheaters. Well, maybe Oregon is. Maybe that's why they got him. <laughs> He's wide receivers coach under Jimmy Lake. Your favorite coach, Jimmy. I don't know if Grace, if you know this. I already loved Jimmy Lake. Really loved what he did when recruiting there. But uh, he was retained by the staff. Really good recruiter. Like if Washington, he got fired, Grace. Washington has recruited very well at the wide receiver position. Uh, Jeremy Bernard, their top recruit, actually stayed in the fold because Junior Adams was going to stay. And then Junior Adams was just hired by Dan Lanning to be the wide receivers coach. So left Washington to go to Oregon. Another big blow to Washington in recruiting. What are your thoughts, both of you guys? And Ari, we've talked about this a little bit about Dan Lanning in there. Like, it seems like he gets it. He's he's had a great staff recruiting, but like to me, it's like Oregon's not going to recruit better than they were before under Coach Mario. Since I won't say his last name, so like I, I'm fascinated <laughs> to see. Try it, try it, try it. He coached at Oregon. Yeah, I'm going to wisen up and say it's Mario Cristobal. How was that? You can't even get his first name right now. Mario. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Mario Brothers or Mario? former coach of Oregon who now the former head coach Miami. of FIU? Uh, I don't know that I would agree. I would agree with the fact that like Dan Lanning could never recruit as well. I no, mean, the guy better. just got done. Like, I don't think it's possible for Oregon. you. Don't think it's possible? Oregon peaked at what number six? Like without yeah. talent in your backyard, you're saying it's not possible for them to be a number three team overall. I think I would agree. Yeah, with like that. for for. There, you need a certain amount of players in your backyard to 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 elbow your way into the the, the top three right now, and and maybe that like we've been spent most of this podcast talking about Clemson. Like Clemson is sure this is a great year for the South Carolina, but North Carolina can be considered in state Virginia in that five in that radius, that five hour radius within Oregon's five hour radius. It doesn't there's not many more players than there are in the state. So I just it's going to be. Kenny Coach. I mean, they're they're going to be they're still a name brand. They're going to have a lot of talent. I just I'm fascinated to see what happens there in in the next few years. Yeah, I I think that it's really interesting to hire somebody who has spent as much time as he did on the staff at a recruiting juggernaut. You know, that's what you where's would he do. From? Georgia. No, he, like, he yeah. Where's he where from? From like born and raised. So I don't know the answer to that question. Let me look that up. Oh, he's from Kansas City. Interesting. 
I don't know. I don't know why that's interesting, but um, um, but like he has kind of recruited from coast to coast. I mean, he was a you know staffer at Arizona State, so you know has relationships on the West Coast: Sam Houston State in Texas, Alabama, Memphis, Georgia, Oregon. I mean, I don't know. Seems like a well-rounded individual who spent four years during the well, actually, four you don't years want to of be Georgia a recruiting individual. You wanted to like recruit twenty-four-seven, right? Well-rounded recruiting. Okay, that's good. Yeah. you don't want him to have a life. But I mean, I would hire I would hire somebody who spent four years on the staff of the last four Georgia classes, two top classes, two, two recruiting crowns in that cycle, in Atlanta, which is one of the most heavily po- uh, populated areas for talent and one of the most competitive areas. I mean, like that resume to me seems exciting i would i'd rather hire an assistant from georgia than some random dude who was good at a group of five school well that's a that's a good comparison because uh a good point you bring up because washington and oregon two schools that you know have good history they really haven't been great at the same time but washington goes out and hires kaylin DeBoer, the good group of five successful group of five coach and oregon hires the, the recruiter you're talking about so that'll be interesting over the year over the next you know five years to see which which of those who two do you think is going to win that that whole thing you mean who's going to be better over the next five years? Yeah, who do you think is going to recruit better over the next five years? Well, I think Somebody Oregon's going to recruit head. better over the next five years. I agree. But will they be better over the next five years? Not necessarily. Probably, because those two things are, are the same. But 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 the former head coach at FIU recruited very well, and they didn't always live up to the expectations at Oregon. That's. I wonder if like you went back and you looked at like a five-year period of time, and you found a five-year period where a team – and you compared two teams and one recruited astronomically better than the other one if the other team that got blown out in recruiting was ever better on the field for more than one year. Wait, say that again? Say it again. If you found a five-year period of time and you compared the recruiting like, and you compared two schools, one school recruited at a, a very high level and the other school recruited at a very poor level, if you could ever find an example of the poor recruiting team having a better five-year stretch overall, than the, the team that recruited better than it. Well, Van, Vanderbilt, Ari loves when I talk about Vanderbilt, to beat Tennessee three straight times and were better than Tennessee for about a, a three-year period or two two or three-year period. And Tennessee probably, average class is probably 20 spots better. Their their seasons were all better than Tennessee's? Um, or they happened to win the head-to-head for three years in a row? Well, James Franklin's last two years went nine and four, nine and four. And one of those years with Derek Dooley's last year, they went one and seven in the SEC. So over in 2012 and 13, Vanderbilt was definitely a better team on the field. And Tennessee probably had, you know, consistent top 15 classes. And Vanderbilt's best class was probably, you know, in the, the, the 30s. But that's, that you know, it doesn't happen often. Yeah. I mean, if it, I'm not, maybe it, maybe it's happened, but I think a two-year sample size and a five-year is very different as well. True, so, definitely. You know, I, I I think that I know that the only thing people care about is wins and losses, and rightfully so. But to me, I think it's like one is the other. I don't think it's like two different things. I think you could look at 2015 to 2020 Clemson though, and find a lot of situations where they won more than people that. I recruited them in that five-year span. Yeah, 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 yeah. Clemson is also the biggest exception in the yeah, entire sport. For sure, uh, for sure. And also, they were recruiting top ten classes. So, well, from like, from fifteen, I mean, like if 15, you found like a team from that nine, from fifteen through nineteen, five-year period, they went nine, eleven, sixteen, seven, ten, and three. Well, actually, let's go fourteen 
take out that three, they probably averaged about 11 in recruiting and they were one of the best two or three teams in the country. So they were better than Let me rephrase it. They didn't sign a top five until I think that if you, I think that if you do between six and 12, you probably will find a lot of examples of it. I mean, like a team that recruits in the 60s versus a team that recruits in the top 25. Oh, okay. Like, or there's a, a major gap. gap. Wake Forest yeah. I mean, this year. And, Wake Forest is better than, but that's only Wake one year. Yeah. Example. I wonder if they can do that for the next four years now. Well, Gabe's going hope there, so. so probably. Yeah. 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 So I hope so. Um, Sam Hartman's there back. There are so many feathers in my room. Yeah. It's it's great. Uh, all right. We should probably, I've, we got more questions from the mailbag, but I'll move those to next week. We've already, we've gone over an hour. So we got. Grace, thank you so much done. for being so. The, we, no, no, I know. I just wanted to like, thank you for hanging in there. Yeah, of course. This is a highlight of her week. She's getting, she is flying to Indianapolis to accept a national award. And this is probably going to be the best hour of her week. What is the national award called? So everybody can, can know about it. Tell us about it. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> She's blushing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is the award for Ed Ashoff, which is really special. I didn't I didn't get to yeah. meet him, but I've just heard incredible things about him. So and it's a rising star award. Mm-hmm. Yep, with the FWAA. So Yeah, super impressive. It I've really heard, is. I've heard just awesome things about him, which is I think it's special when it's like an award in with a a person that so much people had a lot of respect for. Yeah. Ari, you are, you, are you right? I did not know him. Knew like you knew of him. Know so many mm-hmm. people who knew him, but I've I've met him a few times in per- I met him a few times in person. Didn't know him well at all. Don't want to act like I did, but the few few interactions that I did have with him were pleasant. And yeah, I've heard nothing. I, and the one thing I know know beyond the shadow of a doubt about him, and you just said it, Grace, is that he's had such an impact on so many different people. Yeah. So, Absolutely. like to me, to to use that's just really special. to use a phrase like, from I mean, this show. Legitimately seemed like a five star dude, like just a yeah, great he really guy. did. Just yeah, I mean, yeah. There, you can tell when something like it's universal. Like everyone loved the dude. Like it just everyone. Like, everyone and like he knew so many people. So I mean, you, you can really tell when when things are genuine and it seemed like. So again, congrats. Um, Thank you. All right, Grace. At the end of every one of these podcasts, I ask Ari a recruiting trivia question. Some of them are gettable. Some of them are are not. But we just kind of use them to to spur some discussion. So. Um, Sometimes Ari doesn't pay attention to the questions. Sometimes I'll be like, well, who did the University of Army sign in 1916? <laughs> University of H-back? Army? Yeah. Have that's, some that's respect a, for the just... troops. It's not called University of Army. You ever been oh, there, Army? Have oh, you ever been there, Ari, by the way? No, I've only been to Navy. Have you, Grace? The University of Navy. You've been to Army or Navy? My, uh, what? Like, I've never been to West Point. My junior but year in college, to- when I was sports editor of the paper, we, uh, Vanderbilt played up at Army, and it was awesome. Just it's, oh, in it's the fall, sweet. just could not. It was like November. I'll say that Annapolis was amazing. Yeah, I, they're both supposed to be. Annapolis is supposed to be great, but yeah, Army football in 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 November there, and then in the Hudson River, it was it was incredible. Landis and I were covering a Maryland game. We went to Annapolis the night before and got kind of saucy out there with the troops. You, you would you guys, you pick a fight? No, we were drinking alcohol. When, when I lived in, uh, <laughs> when I lived in um, uh, Hoboken after college, the Army Navy game was at the Meadowlands, and we were out in bars in Hoboken. A bunch of the uh, cadets were out, and I remember buying probably spent making a fight. With no, them. I spent, we spent like a hundred dollars buying drinks for uh, for for the troops. So hundred dollars wow. well spent. What a what a what a great guy! Yeah, that's me, Ari. Um, you want to hear some about something funny before you ask the question about Hoboken? Okay. My fiance Brittany calls it Hoboken, and she can't stop herself from saying Hoboken. Hoboken? Uh, wait, I don't even know. She what calls this it Hoboken. Is. You don't know what Hoboken, what is Hoboken is? Hoboken? I thought you were a worldly it's, person, Grace. 
<laughs> it's the uh, it's, town on the coast of or on the edge of New Jersey that's like right across the river from. New it's York New York City. City on training wheels. Like oh kids gosh, from, Mike Zimmerman, our producer is gonna like hang up on me in a minute. Yeah, now Mike Zimmerman's passed out in Atlantic Jersey. City right now. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so no, a lot of a lot of uh, it's an, it's an old town. Obviously, I mean it's like very working class town as well. But there's like right on the river. There's uh, a lot of young people. Like I grew up in New Jersey. You, you go live in Hoboken. And I worked in New York and, and commuted, but then I moved into New York City. It's a great town, great great restaurants, great bars, and stuff like that. Hoboken. So, Hoboken. I'm um, smarter than Hoboken. I was five Hoboken. Hoboken. Or it's actually Hoboken. Yes. But she calls it Hoboken. <laughs> okay. Why does she refer to it? Like, how often does it come up That's in conversation? Quite a bit, because my best friend lives there. I thought I was your best friend. No, you're like number nine. I said this. I thought Landis was your best friend. Then you should go, Grace, your best. It's Grace, then Landis, and then I gotta, I gotta work through some other stuff <laughs> personally. <laughs> I'm hurt, by the way, but it's okay. Nicole Auerbach, I'm sorry. Number nine. I mean, I've got time. It's, I'm, I got. We've only known each other for like a year and a half, so I realize I got. Th- All right, let's get to the question. Or you're gonna be ten in a minute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there have been 32 starting quarterbacks in the college football playoff semifinals. Now, some of them are more than one. Like, I'm, if so, you started a game. Like, there's been 32 starters. So, like, Trevor Lawrence would be three. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, he's not one of the 30. He's three of the 32 or whatever. Okay. Oh, the, okay. Are, Got it. Yeah, the semifinals. So, the 32 yeah. starting quarterbacks in a semifinal game, how many of them were not blue chip recruits? So, three stars or less. How many of them were not? Oh, how many starts? Hey, yeah, how many starts? How many games were started by a quarterback who was not a four or five? Grace, star? you get to play. See, this is a hard question. This is really hard. So it's not necessarily one that you're like going to knit real out. It's just more like guess how many you think were, and then we'll go over who they were. If that makes sense. Like I'm not asking you to. Yeah, but I I have a guess. Okay. Five. I was going to also say five. If you added your two guesses together, you'd get it. It's ten. Like, what was Jake Browning? He was, he was, I wrote down some of the guys who were close. Um, Jake Browning was a four star. Oh, so he counts as blue chip. Yeah. So, okay. 2015, d- double, t- I wrote this, I was busy when I was researching this. Google Jake Browning, just, or look up his 247 just to confirm that I didn't screw that one up. Okay. Um, but he, 2015, and th- we had a similar question already, like a couple, about a month ago about national championship quarterback, because Jake Coker, wasn't Jake Coker the lowest rated? National yeah, well, he, he, quarterback. Did he win the playoff or was it before 2015? Like 2015. So Jake okay. Coker, 2015. Con- yeah, Jake Browning is a top 100 player. Yeah, okay. I thought he was. I'm an idiot. Uh, okay. Connor Cook, 2015. Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. 2015. So the second year of the playoff, three of the four. 2017, Baker Mayfield. Who won the playoff that year? <laughs> the one who wasn't. Uh, the one who was a blue chip yeah. prospect, right? right. Okay. okay, got it. <laughs> We're not okay. arguing with you. <laughs> okay. Two, I, I'm just, <laughs> 2017, Baker Mayfield again. 2017, Grace, Clemson. Kelly Bryant. Yes. 2018 and 2020. Oh, Kelly Bryant went to the playoff. I forgot yeah. about that. Do that. That's the year they didn't have an awesome quarterback. It's before they, 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 cut, they cut him. Uh, <laughs> 2018 and 2020, Ian Book. 2020, Mac Jones. 2021, Stetson Bennett. 2021, Desmond Ritter. One one who people might think was, looking back, Blake Sims, 2014 Alabama, but he was actually, he was 305. He was a four-star. So, there you have it. Yeah, 10's good. That was a good yeah. question. All right. I thought it was it was remotely gettable. Yeah. 
I seek approval from Ari on these questions. Like, like a, <laughs> they're actually always really good questions, and sometimes they're super hard, and sometimes they're very entertaining. What I'm going to do now, one Ari, we ever did was like, how many of the top 100 players of the last 25 years started at quarterback started in the NFL? Like, I was like, how am I possibly supposed to know the answer to that question? But it always leads to good discussion. Yeah, it does. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to recycle some for two reasons. Because we have a bigger audience now that the show is free, and also because I want to see if you've learned from your mistakes. I totally <laughs> I know if you paid attention. I'm the type of guy, and I don't know how you guys were in high school and college, but like I would like cram for an exam like for the three hours before it, and then like go in there and download it onto the page, and then immediately throw it all up when I leave. Like, I, like if I had to take the same test that I had previously taken the day before, like 24 hours later, I would get a zero. <laughs> one of the finest, from <laughs> like, the, like, one I, of the finest that the University of Arizona has ever produced. And, and do you want? And do you want to? Oh yeah, dude, my my high school, I spent zero. I did no homework in high school. And I got a three point two, because not that I'm smart. I just think Arizona's public schools are a joke. <laughs> and then U of A, I was just like so busy at the student newspaper that like I don't even think I never took a math course. Like my my college experience was just. Only writing for the student newspaper. I don't even remember having to study for a test. Like it was just all like a joke. Can we put this Is in that, the Arizona uh, the uh, the brochures? They always call me asking. They always call me asking. Yeah, it's so funny. My college career, career somebody, academic was a joke. Ari Wasserman. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think you have to try harder at some schools to fail a class than you do to pass it. Like honestly, but I do think. It was funny that a, a U of A person called me on my phone from a Tucson number like last week, and they're like, "We're wondering if you'd like to donate to the school." And I was like, "You mean like the sixty grand that I gave you wasn't enough?" Like, I mean, <laughs> it's just like, I, like the, the the gall of these schools to call you after you already like spent whatever, and like so many people are in, in student loan debt to like ask for donations. I think is the most arrogant thing in American society. A topic for another time. <laughs> uh, I just like I, I don't know like it's so expensive and they like everything there is so expensive and now you want a donation I worked hard in college the average starting salary for a person who graduates from your $100,000 institution is $29,000 a year you want a donation get out of here <laughs> so I'm guessing you said no I'd rather give it to somebody who's in need how is Jed Fish supposed to recruit when he's not getting mo- raising money? How are you, yeah. you going to start cheating? Yeah. Uh, no, you charged me $160 for a textbook, and now you want more money from me? Get out of here. All right. <laughs> and then gave me $6 when I returned it in? This this might... It's like the, it, it's like the, it's like the academic version of GameStop. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I, are, see, Grace, the way this thing works is since I'm so smooth, I, I, I introduce the pod... And Ari makes fun of me, and then he does the outro, and they're they're worse than mine. So Ari, take us are. out. <laughs> Thank you so much, Grace, for joining us on the show. I feel like we kind of got a little off the rails a little bit, but I think that's what happens when friends are are close. Uh, Mitch, thank you so much for dealing with me again and being such a wonderful host. And to all you listeners, Ari loves you. None of you. Will, he loves you. He doesn't think you're losers. Effing loser. I just get fired up. You you just forgive me. I I just get fired up when people. Just comment things without thinking about it first. You know, it's just like, just come on. Like, let's all, we're all having a good time. Okay. Thanks so much for listening uh, to Stars Matter. Other than that, we'll catch you next week. Thanks so much. Thanks.